everybody welcome to the geezer life podcast this is dave and this is jake thanks for tuning in today we really appreciate it you know if you enjoy this episode please pass it along to a friend maybe your mom dad son daughter niece nephew sibling anyone you think would get a kick out of it because this week's episode is called becoming your parents (laughs) so it'd be a good one to send to a family member You heard it right, becoming your parents. You know the old saying, he's a chip off the old block, or that apple doesn't fall far from the tree, or she's a spitting image of Mermon, or like father, like son. Now, this is a subject that just about everybody has thought about, and it scares the shit out of most people. (laughs) Why is that? Heaven forbid you become the person who loves you. Right. Yeah, because they see it happening at them, you know, right before their eyes. People are getting older. Now, you've probably seen some of those progressive insurance commercials on the subject of Dr. Rick, who is not really a doctor, by the way. (laughs) He tries to help folks that are in their 40-somethings and how not to become your parents. (laughs) So I love these, actually. And uh, some of the commercials include, like, elevator etiquette, like what what not to do in an elevator, like starting asking personal questions with total strangers. (laughs) Another one, leaving a voicemail leaving a call back, repeating it, telling them what you call, leaving another voicemail in case the first one didn't go through. <laughs> right. Or the one with the trash cans where the guy's there, he's got locks on him, he's cleaning him with, with a window cleaner, uh, has his name printed on the trash cans. <laughs> or the other one I like is when the family or the group shows up at the football stadium and they're more worried about the exit strategy of the parking lot than they are about the game. And they're planning to, well, we should leave the game early to avoid the traffic after the game. Uh, guilty as charged on right. that one for myself, I think. Now, these are extreme you know, examples that are meant to be funny in order to sell a little homeowner's insurance. But is there some truth to these? Studies say that women start becoming more like their moms at the age of 33. And men start becoming more like their fathers at the age of 34. They call that... Parent morphosis. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? I don't even think that's a real word, but uh, <laughs> parent morphosis. So you're morphing into your parent, I guess, is what that means. So the topic spans for generations. When I was young, our generation in the 60s was rebelling against the establishment, which really meant anyone over 40 years old. In other words, our parents' generation. Fast forward 25 years, and now our generation is 40-something, now, that group is acting similar to how their parents acted. You know, they were working, buying houses, mowing the lawn, having kids, all that kind of stuff. Fast forward another 20 years, and now it's our generation, the geezer generation, is now in their 60s and have adopted habits and behaviors that our parents did when they were geezers. So this episode is not just for our geezer audience, but also for uh, younger people as well, even though they will deny it. <laughs> And they're uh, destined to become older and more like their parents. 
Uh, that doesn't scare the shit out of you than nothing well. That's right. So let's start looking at some actual stuff that we can relate to. Now, both my parents passed away a long, long time ago, and I do some stuff they did. For instance, my dad, little thing, he used to whistle a simple little tune when he was doing stuff around the house, and now every once in a while I'll catch myself whistling that same exact tune. As for my mom, she didn't really have much rhythm, but she thought she did. <laughs> And when she would try to dance, she was really stiff and then would even count softly, one, two, three, four, to try and keep the beat of the music. But that didn't always work. Now, sometimes when Pam and I dance, <laughs> I catch myself doing the same thing, super stiff, <laughs> counting one, two, three, four, softly to myself. Now, Dave, do you have any examples of things that you catch yourself doing that your parents did? Oh, yeah. I actually made a list. <laughs> and then I asked my wife, and she added more things to the list. So although we're sometimes mortified at becoming our parents, I, I think it's a completely natural and likely unavoidable process. So yeah. too, too bad, suckers. I think you're right. <laughs> you mentioned whistling. Now, my parents both did that, my dad especially. But for some reason, I don't. I don't know why. It seems like whistling used to be more common than it is today. It used to even hear it in popular songs. As for dancing, my parents both had great rhythm, and they were on fire jitterbugs. <laughs> so when there was a wedding or something like that, they were usually some of the best dancers out there, uh, jitterbugging and swing dancing. So as for me, yeah, I got moves like Jagger, baby. Oh, I've seen you on the dance floors. <laughs> I know you do. So uh, ailments is another thing that affects parent morphosis. My dad, at his age, would have unexpected or uncontrollable gas. <laughs> Now, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you got to listen to that because that's a whole episode on this topic. But it didn't matter where he was. And all of a sudden, that would come out. <laughs> and at first, he would always say, whoops, or excuse me, or something like that. But after a while, he just ignored it. He didn't say anything. Just kept on doing what he was doing. It didn't matter to him who heard it. Well, needed I say more, I've started my parent morphosis on that trait. <laughs> well, my mom, God bless her, she always had a super sore neck. And later in life, she had a osteoporosis hump on the back, which we always teased her about and called her hump neck. <laughs> a few years ago, I fell into ice, and now I've had neck issues ever since then. Turns out it's a degenerative disc issue, which is incurable. So you just got to suffer through it. She also used to say, and this was a long time ago, she had frozen shoulder syndrome, which it just sounds so stupid. We ridiculed her for it. We thought she made that up. It turns out it's a real thing, and now I even see it on commercials on TV. So sorry, Ma. <laughs> I'm really sorry. In fact, now I'm scheduled for my second shoulder surgery next month. So that's what I get for thinking that about my mom. That's right. Now, going from a different perspective, as senior kids start to do things that you do. For instance, my daughter sent me a text the other day. Uh, she and her husband and kids were in Disney. She's a great mom of a four- and six-year-old. And they were at Epcot in the beer garden. So she texts me a picture of, you know, doing cheers with a beer. <laughs> and then she says, the kids make it so easy for me to want to drink. <laughs> you know, she's becoming my, like me more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. On the same trip, my son-in-law sent a picture. They were roasting marshmallows or something on a beach down there. And he was wearing some longer than normal shorts that go past his knees. And he's a tall Man, guy. Please? He's like 6'4". So he has some long shorts on <laughs> He had a T-shirt that obviously didn't match his, his shorts, white socks and tennis shoes, and claimed he was, making a, he was making fashion fun. Well, guess what, Brian? You're one step closer to being your dad. 
Well, my parents, they liked a good fancy cocktail, and they made some real complicated ones, even going back to the 60s. Do you remember a, a drink called the Harvey Wallbanger? Yeah, I wonder who named that one. <laughs> I don't know, but that was one. And they had this big, you still can see them sometimes, like in a certain fancy liquor stores, but a big tall bottle of what's called Galliano Oh, yeah. Liquor. Big tall kind of a triangle with the... Yeah, like a yellow liqueur. Right. And then they used to set up Bloody Mary bars with like a million ingredients, uh, accoutrements as they call them. This is way back before bars even started doing that. And as you know, I continue that tradition today, making fancy-ass drinks at home. In fact, I got a whole pantry full of just crazy ingredients that go in drinks. And my Bloody Mary skewers are legendary. We have them every Sunday. Well, I can see where you got it from then. (laughs) As for fashion, my mom and dad owned a little diner. And so all week long, they just wear their diner clothes. But on weekends, they like to go out to eat, especially to fancy dinners and brunches, because they just had a little diner. So they got all dressed up, and they dressed me up suit and tie and everything at like five, six, ten years old. I was, there's tons of pictures of me in suits in that age bracket. So I've always liked to get dressed up, and I couldn't understand people who don't. I wore a suit at work every day for at least 15 years until it that kind of finally went out of fashion. But I hated it when it did because I hated dressing casually on sales calls. I could never understand, like, people love casual Fridays. Right. You know, once I put on my pants, I never sat there and thought, boy, I wish I had jeans on. <laughs> right. I did pants for pants. In my opinion, though, the change in dress code was not good for society. And uh, I would like people to stop wearing their pajamas to the grocery store. That would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Now, my oldest son, who's, who's now in his early 40s, uh, he used to grow a beard in the fall, but then when the first of the year came by, he always shaved it off. Uh, now I think he's kept the beard on year-round for about four years now, and I've had mine for about 15 years, so he's starting to take after me a little bit when that comes, but uh, his hasn't turned gray yet, but hang on, next stage is going to start to turn gray. <laughs> we had very few beards in my family. We, <laughs> my mom thought beards were for bum. Oh, okay. Well, remember, so. <laughs> remember bums? Yeah. Like, I, I guess you can't call them bums anymore. But they didn't run around with a shaving kit in the back alley, I'll tell you that. No, that's right. My dad used to tinker with making stuff in the garage, which was really his workshop. And one day he made a device called the butter cutter. My mom thought it was ridiculous, but he kept going with it. And it looked like something out of a Rube Goldberg catalog, <laughs> a little contraption. And he claimed you could slide a stick of butter in it push it in with a handle, plunger, and then cut it with a wire. It's kind of like a cheese cutter, the, the wire, and it would put a perfectly cut slice of bread on your on your bread or sliced butter on your bread. He actually tried to patent it, but it never really panned out. <laughs> you could be rich if that would have panned out. I know. It, it sure had fun making it. And as for me, one of my crazy invention ideas that I haven't really uh, perfected yet, but I still like to work on it, is making a special golf ball that's made out of fish food. Then those people that like to drive golf balls into a lake or the ocean, which normal golf ball would be a pl- would pollute the environment, instead they could drive this fish food golf ball <laughs> into an open body of water and feed the fish at the same time, so env- environmentally friendly, <laughs> and uh, get their golf practice in. The other nice benefit of that, you create a little honey hole out there where all this fish food's been dumped. All the fish would gather around. So after you're done golfing, you go out there in your boat and just drop your line and you catch a bunch of fish. Well, you live on the bay now. I wish you would invent this. I'm working on it. So you'd get better at driving. And I could fish right off the end of your talk. Look out, Dave. Here it comes. (laughs) 
Now, my dad, he didn't invent anything. He was notorious for being unhandy, and I'm sorry to say I definitely <laughs> have that gene. My dad fixed everything, and I never go anywhere without a roll with duct tape. Right. I got it at home, in the car, in the boat. It's my solution to all broken things, just like it was his. In, in our house, my wife Sally is the fixer of everything. She even does electrical wiring, painting, you name it. She gets that from her ma, who was a handy-dandy project specialist on everything. Well, for Pam, one of her main traits that she picked up a lot from her mom is to have a good time. Her mom's 84. Oh, I know. I know both of those. Yeah, I know both of those, yeah, That's girl. right. But as long as I've known her, she's always wanted to have a good time. That's, that's Pam's mom. Um, she likes parties, family get-togethers. She golfs on a regular basis, plays cards, she goes out fishing. She likes to go to restaurants and taverns, you name it. She's always on the go and looking for fun stuff to do as well. So that apple, which is Pam, didn't fall from that tree, which is her mom, when it comes to having a good time. Well, same with my wife. Always on the go. She got that from her mom, too. In, with her mom, in her 70s, she was taking woodworking classes, all kinds of classes. She even took a belly dancing oh, class. <laughs> she loved to go shopping and visiting. She also loves soap operas. And to this day, Sally still watches General Hospital. Is that right? Yeah. And she, uh, Sally loves reality shows. She, uh, she says the, like, the, you know, those one the housewife bitches of Los <laughs> <Yeah>. Angeles. <laughs> She says they're the modern-day soap operas. Now, what about sleeping? My parents were always up super early because of the restaurant, so I was too. I mean, like 4 o'clock. To this day, I can't sleep past 4 o'clock. One of the reasons we never go on vacation with anybody is because I can be up literally any time from 1 to 4 a.m. I tell you, on, I was up at 11.30 at night. You don't want to be on vacation with me when I'm rolling no, I'm making a breakfast at 11.30 at night stuff. And I don't want to have to be quiet while other people sleep. And also, I like to sleep the first two hours a night on the couch and then go to bed later. And my mom always did that, and my brothers did that, too. Is that right? Yeah. So that's a family trader tradition that you got there. Yeah. Well, for many years, my dad worked the afternoon shift. Uh, so I would be in bed by the time he got home. But what he would do is he'd come home to unwind. He'd turn on the TV. And back then, it was Johnny Carson and the Red Skeleton Show. And both were hilarious comedies back in the day and I remember on several occasions I'd wake up and I'd wake up to him laughing out loud <laughs> watching TV and everybody else was in bed but he's laughing there by himself uh, now my ritual is when I go to bed I always turn on reruns of, of Seinfeld and just like my dad I'll be there all by myself Pam's out reading a book or still on her phone or something like that and then I'll start laughing out loud at these antics and situations that come up during the Seinfeld episode, uh, whatever the characters are getting themselves into. And I could have seen the episode 10 times, and I'm still laughing at the same scene. <laughs> now, what about, like, eating and food? Because in our family, cooking was a huge deal. I mean, big meals three times a day. It's still the same for me, and now my daughters are like this as well. In fact, everyone's constantly trying to outcook the other one and sending bragging pics to each other. <laughs> In fact, we don't even have time to tell somebody else theirs looks good. We're too busy sending our own. <laughs> so I think that was my mom's way to try to show she loved it by cooking. And my wife says I do it for the same reason. My mom always had a big chest freezer packed with frozen soup, chili, stews, and I do that now. There's just two of us there, but I, 
I'm a, I was, we were the early preppers. I could live for a month just on the stuff in our freezer. Huh. Probably two months, maybe more. Now, my mom, she'd put stuff in Tupperware, and she'd put masking tape on top of Tupperware, and right was, was inside, you know, chicken noodle soup. Right. When she finally moved to assisted living, I inherited all those frozen meals that mm-hmm. were in her freezer. So I'm putting them away, and one said, masking tape soup. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously her mind was playing tricks on her by that time. But it was actually chicken dumpling. Pretty good. And like my mom, I save every single scrap of food. I mean, literally nothing goes to waste. If I have three tablespoons of juice from some cooked meat, I'll save it and make a sauce with it later in the week. Or even freeze it. I have all these little containers in the freezer. I make a lot of homemade spicy dips. If I have one tablespoon of it left over, it goes on a sandwich. One radish, I could find a creative use for that. Nothing gets thrown away. And I love to cook for big parties. And actually, I don't even need to be part of the socializing. I'm happy just being there and doing the cooking while everybody else has their fun. Now, just this week, my youngest daughter was up to midnight on a work night making special homemade rolls for everyone at work. And both my daughters cook for work people all the time. Well, my mom would make these special pancakes. We called them skinny pancakes. They were like a crepe. And she made them all the time when I was a kid. And it turns out that she learned that from her mom. And her mom needed to feed a family of 11. So my, my mom had a, nine brothers and sisters and then her mom and, and her dad. And that was all during the Depression. My parents lived through that, too. I think that's where we get that. Yeah, I think so. But they had flour and eggs and milk all could be had on the farm that they grew up on. And so it was a staple. They had it, I think, every day, these skinny pancakes. Well, my mom made for us all the time as a kid, usually like on weekends and stuff. When I had my friends over, she'd make them for my friends. And then when she passed, I inherited the cast iron skillet and the stainless steel spatula that is needed to make these special pancakes. And I made them for probably 25 years uh, every Saturday morning for my kids. Really? Yeah. And then I gave the a cast iron skillet uh, and a and a spatula to all of my kids and the recipe and trying to keep the tradition alive. I know my daughter makes them all the time. My son, not so much. But I got to work on him a little bit. Uh, but now that we're empty nesters, I don't make them quite as often, but still got the skillet and the spatula. Nice. I made a special cookbook, like a three-ring binder of some of my best recipes and gave it to my daughters for Christmas. Yeah, that's nice. And it's cool because it's all in my own handwriting uh-huh. and, and everything. You know, another thing that can be passed on is financial habits. My parents were very fiscally conservative, and I think I am too. I like cash, personally. My parents never even owned a credit card in their entire life. Did yours? I think my mom got one when my dad passed away. So for the most of the life, they didn't have one. And, you know, my daughters are pretty much like that as well. My oldest daughter owned a house already by the time she was age 26. One time I helped her budget for a Wisconsin Dells vacation at age 10, and she did it. So they wanted to go to Wisconsin Dells. And, of course, they came home with one of these color catalog magazines that showed all the hotels. Right. And, and of course, they wanted to go to the, the best one. Mm-hmm. Well, I made them come up with a little of their own money Yeah. To, in order to do this. I think I gave my daughter a dollar, a budget of 65 bucks she had to come up with. And then a young one who was probably only four at the time, I said, you got to come up with 35 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> She could earn $35. Well, I told her, it can't be around here. I'm not paying you to take out the garbage. Or yeah, whatever. right. So she made some of it uh, working uh, over at her Aunt Pat's house doing something. I don't know. And it, But she was a few bucks short. I want to say 
10 or 15 bucks short. So we're getting close to vacation. So I said, I'll pay you 10 cents each to pick up dog dirt. <laughs> so she's in the backyard and I'm doing dishes and I'm looking out the window and I see her looking around and I see her, she's taking this little shovel and cutting them in half. <laughs> Smart kid. <laughs> I couldn't deduct money for that. I thought oh, that's good. That's, 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 that's capitalism. That's baby. right. Exactly. <laughs> But anyway, so then I had my daughter, my oldest daughter. I said, "Here's the deal. You know, we can go to the fanciest hotel, but then we got to, you know, make our own sandwiches, bring our own lunch meat, and all this stuff. But if you want to go out for pizza and stuff like that, then we're gonna have to stay at a, a less fancy hotel." Mm-hmm. So she, I actually once she picked out like the third nicest one, and I actually had her call there and make the reservation herself. Oh wow! Yeah. And I said, "Here's the deal. Tell the lady taking a reservation that your dad's kind of tight." And you're looking for a deal. And I said, and if you can save us any money, then we can spend it on pizza. Yeah. So she did it, and it worked. Oh, my God. She actually called a major hotel <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. Tells at 10 years old. Oh, It my said God. this, and the lady came, I don't know, like another 50 bucks off. Or yeah. So, oh, that's cool. So anyway, they've taken that up, and they're very fiscally conservative. My youngest daughter had a big jar of cash and said, she didn't spend money, she collected Collected money. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, my parents were kind of the same. They didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, they provided for my sister and I as we were growing up. And they were conservative where they needed to be. But in some cases, they were liberal on things that, uh, that, that you know, they wanted or they knew we wanted. And so it was a pretty good balance. And I think I picked that up from, um, from them as well. Now, was there like a peacemaker in your family when your parents got in a fight? In my family, it was my dad. He could really diffuse a situation when my mom got a little too, well, let's say passionate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely picked up that skill. I've had to cool, cool off a few uh, mother-daughter feuds over the years. Yeah, for, for my situation, I wouldn't say that there was any particular peacemaker, but uh, there were arguments, and somehow they diffused themselves. And I'm not exactly sure how, but all of a sudden, nobody was getting along again. <laughs> Now, what about social gatherings? My dad loved a party, especially if it was at our house. And if it was up to him, we would have had one every week at our house. Lots of food and drinks. And back in the day, people would just stop over, especially on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that today? If I knocked on your door unexpectedly, you'd be mortified. Just no one does this. My dad loved to tell stories and jokes, and he was really good at it. He would do this thing after drinking, of course. He'd go behind a couch with three different hats, and then he'd pop his head up behind the couch with a different hat on, and basically, in his mind, on the spot, create a whole, what he used to call a one-act play with three characters. Oh, my God. Different accents and everything. <laughs> and it was hilarious. And the kids, we especially loved it. And my daughter's got some of that from him, I think. They're great on stage. They do singing and dancing. They act in plays and musical. So I, I think the showing off part, definitely, we, I got and my daughter's got from my dad. And he was also an incorrigible flirt, which drove my mother nuts. <laughs> it was all harmless, you know, but he just couldn't help himself. And unfortunately, I also picked up that trait which is something that causes my wife to roll her eyes like a pinball machine at times. <laughs> well, I never met your dad, but I feel kind of like I know him. He must have really been a party animal, kind of <laughs> like you. My mom was a party planner, and my dad just followed her lead. It was, again, a good balance for the two of them. And it's kind of like Pam and I. She 
Pam does a lot of the planning for most of the social stuff, and I go along and, and love it. Now, what about hobbies? I got the fishing addiction from my dad, along with the fandom for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think I picked up tinkering and trying to fix things from my dad. He never really followed any building code, and I think <laughs> duct tape was probably his best friend, too. Uh, but when he built stuff, it usually stayed together. The only thing I don't follow him is that when I make repairs, sometimes they don't stay together too long. <laughs> How old did he live? My dad passed at age 65, so by this time next year, I'll be at exactly the age he died. Sort of hoping I didn't pick up on that gene, but I've been mentally prepared for it for a long time, knowing it might be there. Yeah, my dad passed at 73, and last month was actually his 30th year anniversary of his passing. Still have, I still have some years left before I get to 73, but my mom's parents and her siblings all lived well into their 80s, and my one uncle we've talked about before, he lived 103. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So I'm kind of hoping I take after my mom's side of the family when it comes to longevity. So what, did your, what does science say? You know, well, according to Google, if that can be considered science, inheriting traits are carried on in your genes. Parents pass on these genes to their children, who then pass it on to their future children, and so on and so forth, so on. So this genetic information is carried in a form of a DNA. But it's not all about the DNA. It's kind of what you do that shows your kids how you want them to behave. For example, how you cope with feelings like frustration and distress. It influences how your kid regulates their emotions. What you eat, how much you exercise, how you look after yourself, that all influences your kids. So... What you say is important. That's absolutely right. So there you have it. You are all in the destined to become like your parents, and your children are destined to become somewhat like you. And that's not a bad thing. But when it starts to happen to you, you maybe know a little bit more reasons why after listening to the podcast here. You know, we'd love to hear from you and our listeners as, they, as the traits they have picked up from their parents. We can extend this to another episode if we get some input. So please contact us at thegeezerlife at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at The Geezer Life, or Instagram, The Geezer Life Podcast. Geezer Life is written, directed, produced, and edited by Dave and Jake. We do it all ourselves, except when we have to reach out to younger people to help us remember what buttons to push. If you enjoy our podcast, please like and subscribe, and even leave us a review. Let us know what topics you would like to see us address here on Geezer Life. We could really use the support so we don't have to live out our final years camping under a bridge, which is a really hard place to do a podcast from. Yeah, help us get better. Because we're working hard at it when we could be napping instead. We now have several ways to contact us. Email at thegeezerlife at gmail.com, Facebook at thegeezerlife, and Instagram, thegeezerlifepodcast. Until then, see you next time, unless we keel over in the meantime. Eliminate the worry, eliminate the strife, it's time to have your fun, it's the geezer life.